dendrologist is a person who studies trees. And I have to admit, I'm a little jealous of their career. Being outside all day studying a subject that can't run away sounds like a lot of fun to me. Although I'd assume the old saying, don't miss the forest for the trees, is quite literally true in their life. Because the great danger of devoting your life to studying a tree is that you can get so caught up on a single tree, learning every last thing there is to know about it, that you forget you're standing in a forest full of thousands of trees, plants, animals, rivers, etc. I think that's true of anyone who becomes an expert in anything. The danger of jumping so deep into one thing is getting tunnel vision and losing sight of the bigger picture. Especially when you're really smart and all the knowledge you're accumulating over the years is bringing you praise from other people. Well, today's story is about one such expert. He's probably the most well-versed human in the temple that day, but his greatest enemy in his life has been missing the forest because he's been staring at a single tree. And what's more interesting is that these days, instead of learning from his error, we usually just make the same exact mistake he was making. Remember, Pharisees used to stand around talking about how wrong everyone else was as they made honest attempts to pursue God. These days, we all stand around talking about how wrong the Pharisees were as we make honest attempts to pursue God. Tim Keller said it best, the fastest way to become a Pharisee is to hate a Pharisee, and that is what this episode is all about. Because everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. And yes, that means even, or maybe especially, the Pharisees. Welcome to Stories in Scripture, a podcast dedicated to telling the big story of the Bible, one piece at a time. This season, one man learns the key to life isn't power or privilege, but a new way of seeing the world. The Pharisees wait patiently. They've chosen their champion, and he plots his moves. He's been doing so all day, several days. He's waited for this moment. The rest of the Pharisees turn to him they know it's his time. The man of the law. The one who knows more about what it means to be Jewish than any other person save the high priest. Maybe even more than him. The Pharisee stares past his colleagues and the Sadducees and the Herodians and the priests. He cares little for them now. He stares coldly at the rabbi. He can sense that it's his time. He has stood in the back near the inner temple all day, certain it would fall to him to do what needed done. It was ultimately his battle to fight. The rabbi and him, two teachers, two leaders, versed in law, head to head. The prize? All of Israel. The Pharisee is no fool. As an expert in the law, he has spent his life making arguments and dissecting the words. He has been trained to watch, observe, and learn the tactics of his opponent. He's been doing just that. He knows how to expose this backwater teacher. He can't come into the temple, of all places, unlearned and unrefined, and best the sharpest mind in Jerusalem. The man in the corner turns his eyes to the Pharisee. He knows that is the next man to challenge the rabbi. He's known the whole time. As a fixture of the temple, the former blind man has learned who is who. And the Pharisee? 
If anyone could best the rabbi, it's him. The man watches from his corner. The Pharisee stands with a coolness and arrogance that tells everyone that he's ready. A smile crosses his face. He's been pleased to see the failures of certain men all day, especially the Sadducee. The Pharisee moves towards the center of the temple. The Pharisees got their name from the word to separate or divide because, at least in their own eyes, they were the ones standing out from the crowd, rising to the occasion, distinguishing themselves from the world. They were in the world, but not of it. Now think about that for a second, because there's something really pure and beautiful about that motive. Pursuing holiness is a great thing. The problem isn't wanting to be holy. The problem is wanting to be holier than someone else. The issue is not wanting to be right. The issue is needing someone else to be wrong to solidify your own rightness in your mind. The Pharisees were more about what they stood against than what they stood for, and Jesus was constantly trying to help them see the way forward. The man takes in the scene. The smoke from outside drifts through the threshold that faced the courtyard. The air chills as the sun falls low in the western sky. The warm colors of the fading day stretch their fingers across the horizon. The crowd is restless with hunger and fatigue, but no one dares to leave. The audience has tripled. As the Pharisee steps forward, a familiar hush falls over them. The whole day has built towards this moment. The Pharisee takes his time to get to the center of the temple. His pace gloats over the crowd. He wants everyone to see him take his rightful place. Across from him, the rabbi looks on with bemused indifference, not unkind, but certainly not impressed by the show the Pharisee puts on for the crowd's benefit. The Pharisee finally stops just short of center and stares at the rabbi, scoffing as he looks up and down the young upstart from Bethlehem. He seems to be daring the rabbi to come to him. The rabbi smiles and doesn't move, content where he stands. The man in the corner looks closely at the rabbi again, he moves with such freedom and ease, as if he has nothing to prove. The others have yet to make sense of his posture, his attitude, his kindness. They have never seen a man quite like him. Finally, the Pharisee, frustrated, closes the gap between them. The man in the corner seems to be the only one who notices the Pharisee has had a moment of weakness. The others saw it as intimidation, but it wasn't. As soon as the Pharisee reaches the rabbi, the question explodes from his mouth. Which is the greatest commandment? When you read the story straight through, this moment feels like the climax of the day. It would make sense that the Pharisee would want the stage at the end, almost as if to say, I'm the separated, chosen one. You all have fun and ask your questions as a warm-up, but all handle this. In addition to being a Pharisee, this man is also a lawyer. Don't think courtroom, law, and order type, but rather an expert in the law. The only person who could go head-to-head -head with the rabbi in a debate, but again, it's really easy to get so good at studying and learning about a tree that you miss the forest. The rabbi narrows his eyes, 
but smiles even wider. The disciples behind him inhale, but don't exhale. The religious leaders look at each other with satisfaction. We've got him, they must all be thinking. The man in the corner looks intently at the rabbi, then at the Pharisee. The two men are deadlocked. The Pharisee looks smug and confident in his question. He's cornered the rabbi. Not even the most learned among the Pharisees had been able to agree which of the commandments are most important. There is no way this man can tell him, an expert in the law, which is the greatest. He knew the law inside and out. Each letter, each stroke of the quill, he had memorized it, carried it with him. He followed every part of it. If he answers with the first in number, he ignores the laws of sacrifice. If he answers with any other, he ignores the order in which they are given. He is trapped. The Pharisee looks with glee back at the rabbi, eager to send him away. Then the rabbi clears his throat. Love the Lord your God. The Pharisee begins to speak triumphant. The rabbi raises a hand to stop him. With all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. One of the Pharisees in the crowd gasps audibly. But that is the only sound in the temple. Even the sounds from the courtyard seem to fail to penetrate the utter silence. The Pharisee looks back at the rabbi in complete shock, mouth open dumbly. The rabbi continues, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Back to Einstein's quote, another key ingredient to thinking bigger about problems, to addressing situations with a higher consciousness, is learning how to create new and better narratives for people to rally behind. It isn't enough to just be against something that isn't helpful. You have to create a way forward. And I don't have to defend this one because we've all been with a group of people trying to decide where to go for lunch. Inevitably, there is someone in the group who knows what they are against but has no idea what they are for. So their contribution isn't, hey, we shouldn't go to that place because this place is a better option. Their contribution is just a series of no's, which isn't helpful. And that's why Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't say to the lawyer, oh, actually scripture doesn't work that way ask me a more enlightened question no he's up to something so much bigger so instead he comes up with a better solution he creates a new narrative one that everyone can get behind he takes two commands one found in deuteronomy 6 5 and the other in leviticus 19 18 puts them together and creates a new way to look at what it means to be human he uses the lawyer's rules and then completely changes the game because it isn't enough just to be against things. We need something new, something bigger to be for. And love God and love others as you love yourself fits the bill nicely. The man in the corner can feel the pressure building behind his eyes. He is overwhelmed by this answer. He can feel something new at work, something beyond him, flooding him with emotion, renewing what was once dead. Another memory breaches from the recesses of his mind. The blind man can hear the two men talking quietly, but their conversation is far from subtle. You must protect the temple at all cost. You must protect the law at all cost. Yes, Father, you are the fifth in our family to join the Pharisees. Do not be a disappointment to me, son. Yes, Father, 
You can't afford another slip like that again. Ever. The older Pharisee walks away swiftly, leaving the younger one to stew in his shame and anger. But instead of exploding, the Pharisee seethes. The blind man can taste the bitterness in his heart. It radiates from the young scholar. The burning desire to control, to know, to be perfect. Suddenly the blind man is aware he is not alone. The Pharisee stands beside him, a soft rustle of fabric, the slow steady brush of a hand on the temple. He is claiming the temple. All of this is his. He knows it. The whole of Jerusalem knows it. You know, I've seen you here many years. Is he talking to me? Most of the others wouldn't know you from Adam, but I know every part of this temple. It is my legacy, my family's legacy. The blind man can tell the Pharisee is looking him in the face. Nothing will take it from me. No one will know more about it than me, more about the law. I will be the one everyone turns to for protection. Jerusalem, Israel, the only one who can keep it from the darkness, me. Only me. The blind man doesn't move or react. He's not sure what to do. I must be the best. I must. I'll prove my father wrong. As some wise person once said, be kind. Everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. I've heard a lot of lectures and sermons about the Pharisees, and I've given plenty myself where we just talk about how self-righteous and anti-gospel they were. But what I don't hear talked about enough and don't talk about enough myself is how broken they probably were. It's easy to create caricatures for them, but remember, each Pharisee was just a broken human being battling all the curveballs that life tends to throw at us. And if it's true that the fastest way to become a Pharisee is to hate a Pharisee, then we, I, should probably rethink the way we talk about them. The Pharisee composes himself, but he still does not respond. He can't. The rabbi has pointed out the truth of the Pharisee's life. He's loved God with his mind. He spent his life using his mind to understand God. And in one simple answer, the rabbi has undone it all. This young, unclean, uneducated rabbi threatens everything. He threatens the very fabric of the Pharisee's world. This can't be allowed to happen. The Pharisee stares at the man with all the heat of the sun. The man in the corner can tell the Pharisee is about to explode. To the shock of everyone in the temple, the Pharisee doesn't do that. Instead, he walks silently and stoically back to the inner temple. You can't fix a problem with the same consciousness that created it. And when you try, you end up just hitting the ball back and forth with your opponent, caught up in this exhausting, never-ending game of tennis, never getting anywhere. But Jesus had a different tactic. He showed us over and over again that the way forward is learning to think bigger about all the issues we face. It's taking a step back and looking at problems with more love and more grace than ever before because information instructs, but wisdom transforms. 
And Jesus was way more interested in the latter than the former. From there, Jesus turns the questions onto the Pharisees. They can't answer him, and there's this beautiful line, no one could say a word and reply. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Of course, his goal was not to win the debate, but rather to show them how silly it was, that there are bigger things going on here. And our need for us to be right and other people to be wrong is a great way to waste a whole lot of time and energy. Go read the story for your, yourself. You'll see a shift happen right after Matthew 22. When Jesus can finally stop focusing on silly arguments, he starts talking about the real stuff, the eternal stuff, the stuff he is ultimately killed for, which brings up our final conundrum. How can Jesus teach us how to be human if he's going to get killed for it? A question that will make a whole lot more sense by the end of our final episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Stories in Scripture. To find out more about the project, visit our website, storiesinscripture.com, follow us on Instagram at storiesinscripture, or on Twitter at SIS Project. And please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes.